Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Basement Binge. Finally another episode and finally being able to get around to reviewing this movie Suzumi you saw the title this is a review that I wish I could have gotten to sooner I saw this movie opening weekend and it was amazing and I wish I could go see it again but I just haven't even had time to sit down and record the episode for this in fact one of my students uh, I'm a teacher that's my job but one of my students was like hey you you promised two weeks ago that there'd be a new episode are you gonna release one yet so Riven if you're listening here you go so I'll just get into it right away with the first segment, Two Cents, which is spoiler-free, so if you haven't seen the film, feel free to stick around. Makoto Shinkai will forever be defined by your name, and naturally so. That film is remarkable, but he's so much more than that, so I'm going to try and limit my your name comparisons, but I'll give you just one to start. Suzumi isn't as emotionally intense or as visually astonishing, at least in my perspective, but it is, as your name was, but it is much stronger and more complete than Weathering With You was. It keeps all the magic with amazing characters, fantastic music, beautiful animation, and an examination of our emotional vulnerabilities through dramatic cataclysmic events. So it's very much a Makoto Shinkai film and one worth seeing as well. It, it really is a phenomenal film that uh, I really, really enjoyed. And this feels a bit awkward to say, but but honestly, I've always felt this weird love for Japanese people and their culture. Not in like the typical, I'm an American speaking about anime and I'm a weeb type of way. Like I hardly even watch anime. And this has been a characteristic of my life well before I really knew what anime was and before I really even knew Japanese people. But I've always felt this tender love for them that I can't seem to explain. And my obsession with them is in large part in their culture and mostly about the emotional culture of Japan and that is what makes Makoto Shinkai's work so powerful because it's a vulnerable examination of the emotional culture collectively of Japanese people through dramatic events, I'll say, but, it, but it's, it's about the emotional feelings of people going through experiences that Japanese people do because of the events that are happening there. It's, it's very much Japanese, naturally so. It's a Japanese film, but, it, but it's just from my own personal interest, it makes it extra interesting on top of it just being like a totally worthwhile film, you don't have to be Japanese to relate to these emotional vulnerabilities and the fears and emotions, both positive and negative, that are in this film. It's a very human film. But, but in particular, Japanese people, Makoto taps into this idea of losing spaces or places that can cause great loss to the world. I mean, this really is fitting for Japan and the people that live there in a way that I can't understand. But I think something many of us have been feeling. It doesn't take a genius to realize that the world is changing, and Suzumi opens the doorway, pun intended, of the emotions change brings. Makoto spends his last two films tackling the themes of responding to change and fighting against it for and because of love. Suzumi is about the loss that change can bring and the love we have because of it. So it's post-loss, if you will, and the fear of uncertainty that that brings. It's amazing because these films use fantastical elements to display this, 
but also use very real natural disasters in a manner that's respectful and honest to the people in Japan who have experienced that. I mean, Makoto Shinkai talks about the the earthquake that was in Japan very frequently that has had a lasting impact on him and his work. And you see those feelings and the way that that would change your perspective of the world, change your paradigms, you see that in his work. And Suzumi, in a very real way, because of this nature of losing things and losing places that are sacred and how that they're changing and things are being left behind, Suzumi challenges us to embrace that emotion of loss, to enjoy the memories, to protect them, no matter how difficult and challenging and emotionally challenging, so that we can continue to live our lives, find new memories and create new sacred places. We have to cherish those that have been lost and, and understand that they're a lost place. And I wrote this as I was listening to the soundtrack, and the emotions really came back to me as I reflected on the places in my life that I feel like I might be losing. The thing with Makoto Shinkai's movies, and this one included, is that they fill my entire being with rich emotion that I struggle to explain no matter how much thought I put into it, no matter how many words I try to type out. It's just a powerful emotion, and the best I can ex explain it is just this feeling of re remembering and realizing that places that are sacred are being lost and the change that that brings and, and a little bit of melancholy feelings that are associated with it, even though the loss can sometimes come because of good, even great things that are happening. It's, a, it's an amazing film from an emotional standpoint, which is what I've loved about his films. But all the other things people love about Makoto Shinkai, I mean, the characters are phenomenal. The animation truly is beautiful. It's not quite in your face as your name feels, but it's still just incredible, beautiful, incredibly beautiful. I, I Really, it's astonishing animation. The music is great. Just as a side note, I took a cereal break to have a bowl of cereal while I was writing this, and I kept listening to the soundtrack, and I just started to cry. I didn't even know why I was crying. The soundtrack is just so good at bringing out emotions. Rad Wimps and Makoto Shinkai, phenomenal combination. So it's, it's really, really a worthwhile film. If you're a fan of his work, go and see this one. If you are disappointed in weathering with you, that's okay. This one, I don't think will disappoint you. It, it is closer to your name while also being unique and not just a repeat. Um, but but it, it's good. Just go see it. Yeah, it, it is good. Worth seeing, 100%. So that's going to wrap up the two cents here. Some brief announcements. Be sure to subscribe to The Basement Binge wherever you're currently listening to this, wherever you get podcasts. Animation Hall of Fave has been incredibly interrupted and delayed. The same student that was asking me why I haven't released an episode, I was explaining, you know what? Every single time I try to get on track with Animation Hall of Fave this year or others, even... Before, after delays, something in my life always happens that interrupts me from doing it. So this animation Hall of Fame might last forever, but I'm going. I'm determined to finish it because there are some great films on this list that I want to review. There's other great films throughout the year coming out that I'm going to be reviewing. This summer is going to be a great, great, great summer for movies. So subscribe to The Basement Binge, and be sure to, when you go see those movies, listen to the podcast on the way home. Enjoy the conversation that you can be a part of through The Basement Binge. So subscribe wherever you're getting podcasts. But we're going to move on to the other segments here. These will have spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film or you're kind of weary of those, you've been warned. On to the next segment, Pick Your Poison. This is the rating scale of the Basin Binge, the bingeability of it. it. After seeing it this time, how would I choose to interact with it? Never watch it again. Stream it, meaning it's on a service I've already paid for. I'm just looking for something to watch. Above that, rent it. And top of the list is to buy it. Now, this is something that if you've listened to the episodes where Matt and Rob have been on the podcast, We've talked about how this segment and, and this rating scale came from a different era, which, I mean, like three years ago was totally different and has changed a lot. So if you have some ideas for the way that I can change this rating scale to better represent the way we consume media and, and streaming's dominance, 
you know, send me an email. Leave a comment. Let me know. Uh, BingeBasement at gmail.com, also linked below. You can also message me on Discord. That will be linked below. But, like, let me know. What, what, you know, have any thoughts about the rating scale? But for the one that we have currently, this, without a doubt, is a buy. And not just, not just any buy, specifically the collector's edition to proudly display on my shelf and ponder over it from time to time. I sit there when I'm working in my office thinking about why I wanted the collector's editions of certain movies. You know, why is, do I have a collector's edition of Avatar The Last Airbender and Your Name and Weathering With You and Bell and some other movies? Like, why are those important to me? And I sit here and think about it and then I'm reminded why I love it and why I have it. It, It's great. I, I have no clue why I do this, but I do. And I don't know when this is being released either, but when it is, Probably this summer, I'm going to buy it in a collector's edition and it is going to go up to my other Makoto Shinkai films and I will, I will reflect about why I love this movie and why it's worth not just owning for me to rewatch, but worth displaying. Like when you display something as like something you own, it's an, it's an expression of who, who you are in a way. Like obviously you're displaying something because you want it to say something about you. And I'm, I'm proud to say that Suzume is a film that I love for many reasons. Uh, in particular, it's emotional vulnerabilities and how powerful they are, which obviously we're going to get into through the other segments. But yes, that was a long answer to a simple question. I'm going to buy it. On to the next segment, Live Up. This is where I talk about my expectations for the film and if it was able to live up to them because I'm really good with names. So to, to talk about my expectations, this might have been one of my most anticipated movies of the year. I mean, like we're getting some amazing trailers. And so my mind is kind of changing that because this summer... And fall is, we got some great films being released. I was just talking to my youngest sibling, sibling about that the other day. But as this movie was coming out, this was the one that I was anticipating most out of any of the others. Like, like until we get to like July, this was the one that I was anticipating the most. And it's hard to put in words the anticipation you get for a movie, especially from one of your favorite directors. Makoto Shinkai, in particular, being a, a quieter director, so that kind of builds the excitement. But I was cautious because I, I, w- I was disappointed by Weathering With You. I'm excited to re-review it during this Animation Hall of Fame and, and like go in with different expectations and, and really enjoy it. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I know that I will. Like I'm confident that that's how solid his work is. But, but on my first watch, I didn't really connect to it, and I, I didn't want that to happen again with Suzumi. And so I, I, the trailers weren't totally convincing me. I wasn't really sure getting the vibe and... The trailers actually were kind of making me feel like, oh, this is going to be worse than Weathering With You. I just, I wasn't connecting with it, but I was hopeful and excited, but cautious. But I, I went into it anyway, and I tried not to think too much about it because I just, I, I didn't want to have expectations because Makoto Shinsukai's films are special, and, it, and it's sad when those are ruined because of my own expectations. So I was really careful in how I thought about them. And so I went to go see the movie with my wife, and it started, and I was getting into it immediately. I was getting the vibe of it and becoming comfortable with the characters and the world and the setting, and then suddenly, there's this earthquake and a giant worm thing, and my wife leans over to me with intensity and deep seriousness and says, you didn't tell me this was a scary movie. <laughs> she was stressed out the whole time, and I had no idea that it would be this way. I looked at her, and I was like, I, I had no idea. Makoto Shinsukai's films, his work is full of fantastical elements, but I was not expecting it to be this threatening, this foreboding, this dooming, uh, it surprised me. But I really enjoyed it, and it, it worked well, and it, and it fit. Like, I don't, now seeing this film and, and seeing what it's talking about, these, these places being lost and memories and, like, the importance of them and how those memories are being forgotten and, and 
and like this the sadness of that like i don't think that you could express that in a less intense way and, and i'll talk about this more later but I, but i had no idea i was going to resonate so much with this movie's themes but as it progressed i fell in love with a chair and i started to get annoyed with this cat thing as i grasped to understand how this was going to conclude happily and, and how things would work out I really was was trying to figure it out because I was invested in the characters and what they were going through. I really genuinely connected to it. And not just like, oh, they, you know, this is intense. It's a thrill. I got to know what's going to happen to the characters. Like I sincerely connected to their journey and their emotional state and what they were going through. And, and this is all accompanied by amazing animation and incredible voice acting. My wife and I, we saw the English um, dub, which was phenomenal. They did a really good job. It connected with me in every way. And so I didn't really have expectations. I didn't know what I was wanted, but this told me what I wanted and then extremely delivered on it, if that makes sense. Like really soon, it really kind of shows you what this movie is going to be and then delivers on it. In his interview with The Hollywood Reporter, which I will link below and I'm going to mention a little bit more, Makoto Shinkai mentioned that he wanted to show the wonderful parts of Japan throughout the film and kind of make it into like a road trip movie. And he did that really well. And you feel that and you like feel this love for Japan, which as I kind of mentioned in two cents, that obviously re resonated with me and it, it works really well. I, I was really impressed with the simple sincerity of this, the fun adventure nature of it, the road trip with the fun, genuine characters and like how new characters show up and how like real this character is, even though they're very temporary. And I love that, that I, that I was really able to do all this without needing to know too much beforehand. And the film just went along and did its thing and, and brought me along for the ride in a really powerful way without becoming unnecessarily dramatic or romantic between a teenager and an adult, which would be really weird. Like this, Suzumi is a teenager in high school and the guy whose name I suddenly cannot remember. Um, I can't even remember his name. Um, wow. Okay. Nonetheless, that would have been weird for them to end up together. She's a teenager. She's a child. And so th there wasn't a need for that. And while there is, you know, some underlines of that and understandable, so it's a Mikado Shikai film, it, it didn't become unnecessarily dramatic. I mean, I mean, like your name, someone might say that's unnecessarily dramatic. And I think that's intentionally dr like dramatic. And this didn't have to be that. It didn't have to be a your name repeat for its themes and its story and its characters to be real and emotional and impactful. Did it live up? Well, it, it exceeded my expectations because it, it I didn't know what my expectations were. The film started and it kind of told me what my expectations should be in addition to just like my simple expectations for a Makoto Shinkai film. And then it completely blew it out of the water and I was I was really, really impressed. So so that, that that's a good transition into this next segment, which is specifically for Animation Hall of Fave. Lame, fave, or fame. Hello, everybody. You're all right. Come on down. Okay. This is where I talk about this piece of animated work and this hall of fave that I've invented. Is this piece of work, is it lame, meaning it like it's not even should be considered? Or the other end, is it fame, where it should be admitted into this hall of fave, fame, where everyone knows it and it's talked about and kind of remembered as like a historical piece or a really impactful, important piece? It's famous, right? And should be honored in the hall of fame. Or is it kind of in between uh, where it's a fave, where it's one that like I really love and it would go in my hall of fame, but it wouldn't go in everybody else's, so I call it the Hall of Faith, right? Where would it be? And this is a difficult one to answer because I immediately loved it. But I'm not sure that if this is as powerful as your name was or if it can be. 
but there are the reasons that I feel this should deserve fame. Go and read the interview with The Hollywood Reporter, and you'll realize how relevant this movie is to now. Again, it's linked below. For the legacy of its time period, uh, you want to see a depiction of the subconscious emotions of us young people? Here it is. You may not want to admit it, but we are feeling it and influenced by these feelings that Suzumi so accurately portrays with feelings of loss and, and fear and worry and impending doom and, and a little bit of powerlessness while with an intense desire to make change and, and to seek understanding of how we can change and, and learn from other people and make changes to the way we make changes. We are, are influenced by this, our lives and our actions, by this emotion. So this, for that reason, and many others, including the great animation, the great themes and storytelling, the phenomenal characters, good voice acting. I mean, those are all good reasons. But, but for its incredible depiction of our subconscious emotions, it deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because this is a film of our period. And it represents it well. And it, it, as a piece of history, as an important one, it's there in it. So if I want to stick to my guns of what I'm going to say and fall in, this movie has personal meaning and importance. This is going in the fame category, without a doubt. It's, it's, it, it really is an amazing film. So we're going to get into the other segments, talk about some binge points, least and likes, and lastly, fall in right after this brief interruption. Thanks for supporting The Basin Binge. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Welcome back. Thank you again for listening to that. Whatever it was, I appreciate it. It's really helpful. Supports the base binge. Uh... Thank you. Sincerely. I mean it. Now, let's go on to the next segment, binge points. This is where we talk about Easter eggs, details, trivia, behind the scenes, things, just just details that I thought were fun. And I just had a few that I wrote down during the movie. Obviously, I'm in a movie theater, so it's kind of hard to write things down. But these were the three. One, on a, I think it's a blimp. I should have wrote down what it was. But there's a sign that says Miyazaki Broadcasting. Obviously, Makoto Shinkai has talked about his love for uh, Hao Miyazaki. And people have compared him to like the new Hao Miyazaki and he, he, in the THR, in the Hollywood Reporter interview, he, he talks about that influence directly um, and, and kind of what I talked about in, in lame, fame or fa- or lame Favor Fame. But nonetheless, there is a direct reference through Miyazaki Broadcasting. The music in this is amazing. It's completely different than anything that Rad Wimps have done before. It's jazzy and fantastical and like a really, really powerful score that's unique and not just like rock. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I listen to the Your Name soundtrack all the time. It's great. But this is really dynamic and has like, it's impressive. It's really, really good. And it's fun because it has so much uniqueness constantly. It's, it's really good. And there's also just this line that I wanted to mention that was really good. Sometimes important jobs are things people shouldn't see. And I don't know about the shouldn't part, but I did immediately think about all the people who work on a movie and go and scene like the animators for example or if it's a live action film the grip or whatever like just the unsung heroes of movies that obviously they're getting more recognition now vfx artists for example are, are we're becoming more aware of the difficult scenarios they work in and, and how that needs to change the writer strike happening right now like you know i did not write that when the writer strike had been i think that's just poetic timing i guess but yeah I, you know, not not so much the shouldn't part, but that they go unseen 
important jobs all the time. And the last binge point that I have is just a fun detail about the movie in being influenced by Makoto's real life. The scene where Suzumi's mom is making the chair was inspired by real events. Makoto Shinkai was working on this film and he would come home to his daughter and his daughter would always ask him, have you finished the movie yet? And he would say, no, not yet, which is adorable. And the same thing that the mom says, you know, just a child's excitement for what their parents are working on. So on to the next segment, lease and likes. Talking about my least favorite scene and my favorite scene. I'm going to be dead honest. This least segment, my least favorite, has been sitting here blank. I don't have an answer. Moving on. Like, my favorite. There was hard to pick just one, but, but to, to, to name one scene that was particularly impactful and my favorite, and the one that I've been thinking about the most, is the scene where older Suzumi, at the end of the film, is the one who goes and talks to the younger version of herself and tells her that life will be okay, that we saw at the beginning of the film. Uh, that's just a powerful moment in incredible ways. Now, as a little side note, I was actually thinking about a similar moment in Tenant with the character diving off a boat. I don't want to say too many spoilers in case you haven't seen it. But, but realizing that and what it means later and how, like, just how that works and, and thinking about how I liked that so much in Tenet and couldn't think of another movie that did it in a similar way. And then this happened in Susan. Me, and I was like, well, there you go. Never saw it coming. Never would have guessed it, even though I was already kind of like in that mindset. But it worked out really, really well. And it, it's a wonderful moment. In the words of Makoto Shinkai, we are speaking to our younger and future selves all the time. And this is one of those wonderful moments where we kind of go to the childiness and we say, you know what? It's going to be okay. You know what? Like, like I will be the adult that you need to be comfortable with. I saw this TikTok that was said something like, as an adult, we're the or parent, we're the person that we would have been comfortable around as a kid or something like that. I'm getting the, the wording wrong. And this moment is kind of like a powerful indication of that. We are our younger childish self's protector. And our future self is the one that tells us it's going to be okay. We're going to get through it. Like, how many times have we told ourselves that it's going to be okay. Things are going to work out in the future. Who's telling us that? Our future self, so to speak. It's a powerful moment. Really, 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 really powerful. So with that, let's just transition into the last segment, Fall In. This is where we're talking about, about the messages, the themes, as my dad said, the moral of the story. What's the takeaway? How can, it, how can it? this powerful thing in a film become real in our lives? And where do I even begin with Suzumi? I mentioned that I want to read something from the, the Hollywood Reporter interview, so I'll just start with that. Uh, Makoto was asked, a phenomenal question in the interview. Again, it's linked below, but here's the question. In the film, Suzumi encounters these metaphysical doors which have the potential to, to release disaster, and she always finds them in the ruins and abandoned developments we've just been discussing. One of the secrets she learns for closing the door is to imagine the past lives and feelings of the people who once lived there, to conjure their former vitality and sentiments. Can you share a little more about how the, this idea is your answer to the feeling of loss that is in emblematic of japan in these times phenomenal question and this is his response i apologize just before i read it if my reading is a little choppy i'm dyslexic so thanks for your patience nonetheless this is his response there's a very interesting question or excuse me that's a very interesting question but one that i will find very difficult to answer frankly it's very hard to, for me to describe this in words i feel that the movie itself is my answer in many ways if you look at Japan as a country, it is in a state of decline and there are a lot of natural disasters that plague the country every year. If I did have a simple answer for how to counter this and how to process the feelings associated with those problems, that would obviously be best. But since I don't, I chose the medium of animated film as my way to convey these emotions. If there's any positive emotion or energy that audience feels through this movie, that is my truest answer to the question you just posed. I'm going to stop there before I keep reading. Wow. 
wow. But I'll keep reading. He continues. But if I did have to try to put it into a few words, perhaps what I say is that through these difficult times, what's really important is what's in people's minds and hearts. If you look at Suzumi's journey throughout the movie, she encounters so many people who are very kind to her. After their brief encounter, they give her a hug or give her some clothes and help her on her way. And it's that strength from communication and kindness from others that drives Suzumi forward and ultimately allows her to come face-to-face with herself. She's communicating with herself in the ever-after, the metaphysical world that exists beyond this mysterious doors. I think that this is something that we do daily. We're communicating not with ourselves in the present, but rather slightly in the past or slightly in the future. You tell yourself, hey, you know, it's going to be better in the future. I just have to get through this. Or you look back and reflect on how things were and how they have turned out to understand who you are now. So thinking about this interface of how we communicate with others, with ourselves across time, is a very central theme of this film. Whoa. I mean, I don't want to add too much to that, but I just think it's powerful that, like, the world is changing. We are, we are faced with disasters. Like, forget for a moment the aspect of the film that these disasters are coming from forgotten places. Like, we're just, we're just facing disasters uh, in many ways. And what is the answer to that? And I don't really know besides just the positive emotions that you feel and what they inspire you to do. And, and, and I'm going to be totally honest here. I'm, I'm a religion teacher. I mentioned my student in this class. I teach religion to high school kids. And it's amazing to be that so much of it is, you know what? In, in our religious lives, in our spiritual lives, if you will, to, to make it more generic, in our spiritual lives, we're trying to navigate difficulty. We're trying to navigate uncertainty and hardship and trial and turmoil and sadness and all these difficult things that, that consist of being immortal. And a lot of what we talk about in my, my class with my students is, okay, let's go to this text that we trust, the scriptures as it may be. So let's compare it. Let's go to this movie that we trust that brings out emotions, that gives us feelings that uplift us and inspire us. Okay, now how can we turn those feelings into action? And I just think that that's a powerful principle and one of the reasons that I love Fallen. I mean, that is the reason Fallen exists, is because art influences us, even subconsciously. And so on a conscious level, I love talking about, okay, what are these feelings? What are these emotions I'm having? And how can I turn that into action in my life? And Makoto's invitation is to simply just figure out what it is for yourself and go act on it. But he does give a simple answer that, you know, we can be a lot more kind to others, even strangers. I'm reading this book by Brene Brown that I really love. Uh, but she said, it's hard to hate close up. So move in close, you know, be kind to those people. I, and I, I mentioned as well that I, I, that I struggled to have words for these emotions that I feel and through these films, and that can make something like Fallen really hard. But as I was writing this, the next day, um, I read a pocket article titled 15 Obscure Words for Everyday Feelings and Emotions, again, linked below. But it mentioned the Scott word, number eight on the article, Mislianness, I think is how you say it, which is solitariness from the absence of some favorite person or thing. And while that's a great word, that feeling isn't quite there because Susan Me deals with more than just the everyday feeling of mislianness, but a grander feeling of discovering that something crucial and meaningful could suddenly become absent. Like this fear that these important things will be gone or are, as an, as an example in the film the way the relationship with her and the boy who becomes a chair whose name I can't remember, their relationship doesn't become a total romance or even like her, her, her aunt and the guy who's driving the car for them, like they don't become a romance or the aunt and the guy at work, like they might, but we don't see that. 
and relationships even flow at times. Friendships grow and, and lessen and grow and lessen all the time. That's just life. Sometimes there's this fear that something so important to us might be absent. I remember a few years ago, this individual on Letterboxd, whose name I'm suddenly blanking on. I'm going to have to look him up, and I will link it below. They have some great reviews on your name, and, and one of the ways I really connected to your name was, was seeing how they connected to it. And they were in high school at the time and mentioning how they had this fear that when they graduate, they're not going to be friends anymore with their, their people. Wow, what a tough emotion to feel this, this important thing that's so meaningful could suddenly become absent from your life. And I think that gives us influence to understand what's important and understand how to adjust. Um, I wish I could like put into words the feelings that I have for this, but it, it, you know, the way that our body gives us pain so that we protect ourselves or gives us hunger so we feed ourselves, there's this feeling of loss, this impending doom to guide us maintain those connections and those things that are important or to adjust to find new ones, right? Susumi doesn't have to go back and rebuild up those places, but a way to connect to those memories, feel them, and then bring out those memories and feelings to her life in the circumstances of it where it is. And that's powerful. And what I think is really cool is that, that Susumi, she's a teenage girl in high school, and this generation, and I say this as a high school teacher, is noticing. They are deeply feeling, and they are noticing these changes and, and aware of it and cognizant of it, and they're careful. We are getting better at becoming ter- caretakers of the things that are becoming lost. We're making sure that they will remain, at least in some capacity. But we have to be aware that some things are lost. They have been left behind or they are going to be left behind, abandoned. But the love of the world and the love of that abandoned thing needs to be preserved. This is really weird because in my sociology class, we're talking about postmodernism, which fits actually really well. And, and that term is still being defined in sociology. But the best way to describe it is the rejection of systems and organizations that have served, made up, and built society from the modern era. Think of, of, of jobs and like, you know, the, the post-World War II's perspective of jobs and working and family and government and churches and religion and et cetera. These organizations that built modern society. And post-modern rejection, postmodernism is, now that we're past that, is a rejection of those you see it all over the world. And I don't want to get in off into the weeds of that too much or, or to claim a right or wrong in either sense. But what I will say is you see the difficult balance in this film in the, the, the door guardsmen. I can't remember their names. I should have taken better notes of the film. Um, but the, the role of being a keeper for the door, of having the key and needing to, to go around and make sure they're staying locked. Whatever it is, it's an old system that was essential to the building and maintaining of our world and protecting it and making it what it is, even if we were not aware of it. But current ideas are changing and how that role can be filled and what it is and what it isn't and what's required of it and what isn't required, that changes. Things are changing. But we need to make sure that in our change, we aren't losing the essential part of those things that have kept our world safe and without them will leave us in danger. We need the doorkeepers to go and lock the doors but we don't necessarily need them to become the totem or whatever it was called that is sacrificed into the, the other world. Things can change, right? And so com- kind of combining that to the feeling that Susan has and the danger of these lost places breaking out and, and the emotions and, and the hurt that comes with being lost, we, we got to preserve those things. We got to be aware of what's being lost and preserve the goodness in it, the, preserve the emotions and the, and the purity. So I'll, I'll wrap this up with one more question from the Hollywood Reporter interview. And here's the question. At one point, 
Suzumi says that she believes that whether people live or die is just a matter of luck. And despite its supernatural elements, the film operates on that principle. Later, though, she's able to tell her younger self that life will be okay. That despite her profound loss, she will grow up and things will get better. I found the film to be an interesting mix of fatalism and big-heartedness, wise in a mature way. You said your last three films were all sort of inspired by a desire to reckon with the Great East Japan earthquake. This is one. This one is by far the most overt in that respect. How do you think your response to that tragedy has evolved or grown through the through these three films? Holy smokes, what a question! And here is Makoto Shinkai's response to that amazing question. I feel what I've done over my past three films is almost have this dialogue with my audience over time. After the 2011 earthquake, I made your name, and there was feedback from the audience. Of course, I paid a lot of attention to what people were saying about the film. A lot of people said it was fun. Some, however, thought that it was a complete fantasy or hoax, because you can't revive people from the dead. They are lost, they are lost and gone. So there was some criticism of the core concept of that film, which then led me to work on Weathering With You, where the concept was about sacrificing one person versus the masses, and if that is a scale that can ever be balanced. And again, there was a group of people who had criticisms, that, hey, how can you not sacrifice one person when there's millions of people whose lives are going to be affected by this one's, this one's death? So again, ta- taking that feedback into consideration, I arrived at the concept of Suzumi. So I don't know if I would call it an evolution per se, but through my films, I've been having this evolving, con- constant dialogue with my audience. For me, personally, this is something that's very fulfilling, and I think it's something that's unique to the anime medium, being able to have this dialogue on this scale. There's so much trust between anime artists and their audiences, which has been steadily built up over decades. For me, Suzumi was the best message I could put forward at this current stage in my career and in my life, and it was the most honest expression I could put on screen. I don't need to add anything to that. It's an honest expression of reality. It's an honest expression of our emotions. It's an honest expression of our fears and our hopes and our anxieties and our positive anticipations with a little bit of uncertainty. And it's a remarkable film that's beautifully animated. I haven't talked about that enough, and that's because I've only seen it the one time, and sadly, I didn't record this fast enough. So the the visual memories are kind of disappearing, but it's beautifully animated nonetheless. It's a remarkable film. If you've seen his other films and haven't seen this one, definitely go see Suzumi. If you haven't seen Makoto Shinkai's other films and you made it all the way through this podcast, what are you doing? Go listen to those episodes, and uh, more importantly than listen to the episodes, see the movies. They're great. Your name and weathering with you, um, especially what he said about that idea of weathering with you, balancing those two scales. That's what excites me to see it again. So thank you again for listening to this episode. Let me know what your thoughts were about Suzumi. Did I get the emotions and feelings on the head or were you feeling something else, right? Because that's what Makoto Shinkai invites us to do is to talk about the emotions and feelings that we have in response to this wonderful piece of art and go and do something about it. So what positive, positive emotions and energy did you feel through this movie? Let me know. You can send me an email, message me on Discord. Excited to hear your thoughts. So make sure you're subscribed to The Basin Binge. More episodes coming. Uh, great movies out there. I'm excited to review. So once again, if you haven't heard enough, this is The Basin Binge. And that's all for now. Ciao, ciao. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.